success doesn't always feel like success. And when it looks like you've made it to the rest of the world, you can be left feeling like there's still so much to do, but without a clear direction or plan. On the Success That Last podcast, we're going behind the scenes with business owners, real estate investors, and industry consultants to deconstruct the complicated topic of success. We'll be exploring questions, strategies, and experiences that help create clarity and confidence surrounding your financial decisions. Here's your host, Jared Siegel. Welcome back to Success That Lasts. As I record today's introduction, I do so from my house. As a country and as a world, we're all trying to figure out what this coronavirus will actually mean. So today is more about a purposeful pause. It's about channeling our energy on the intersection of things that matter, but more importantly, the things that we actually control. The way that we think about adversity, the thoughts that we allow inside of our head are incredibly connected to the way that we feel and perceive the world. Ultimately, I'm excited for today's conversation with Anthony Trucks. Anthony Trucks is no stranger to adversity. I'm excited to extract some of the wisdom and insight that he has personally obtained through some of these challenges. Anthony spent some time in the California foster care system before realizing his dream of playing college football and ultimately had the opportunity to play in the NFL. However, his career was cut short by injuries. Anthony's going to walk us through some high highs and some unbelievably low lows. But what I love most about Anthony is he's redeemed all of these experiences. He works hard every single day to leave people better than he found them. So in this moment in time, when the world around us feels out of control, when so many things are unknowable, there are some things that we should be focusing on. And our attitude, our belief, and our identity are all wildly connected to our ability to navigate this moment of uncertainty. So with that, let's jump into today's conversation with Anthony Trucks. Anthony Trucks, let's kick this off. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. You and I, the last time we talked live, it actually might've been on a kickoff at Reeser Stadium. Yeah, was that the Holiday Bowl? 2004. I pretend to not remember that game. Uh, we got smoked. So I uh, ended yeah. my football career <laughs> with a big L. No bueno. That would have been, yeah. I did the same thing. When we played, so I it was a year, year younger, so I played in the Holiday Bowl, and we lost. I got a trophy from the loss, which is, an, is a big whale. It feels good, but we lost the game to Oklahoma. No bueno. No bueno. Well, there's been a lot of life that's happened in uh, both of our worlds, and so I'm excited to get caught up. So if I were to kind of frame who you are today, I would start with a husband, father, business owner, coach, speaker, author, NFL alum, American Ninja Warrior. I mean, there's a lot of notches on the belt. So I guess yeah. talk to me a little bit about who you are today, personally and professionally. We'll start there. I'm a regular guy is the best way I frame it. I can have, you know, I got a wife who nags me every once in a while. Love her to death, though. I love her, love her. Three kids. So I'm, I'm a dad, like you said, but I have an irregular desire to help people's lives be better. My primary base of people I work with is business owners, entrepreneurs, and network marketers. And the sole focus of, of how I show up in the world is helping people learn how to, to elevate how they operate to level up their life and business. And I have a little tagline. I call it, make success your second nature. And so for me, it's a the daily grind of love, of teaching people how to, uh, how to be able to show up in their lives the way they desire in a way that doesn't drive them crazy and overwhelm them to get all the goals they want met. And then to be able to realize that, um, like the joy, like I love how you started with the beginning, like family, man, like for me, the joy of me is be able to be, you know, take my kid to school in the morning, 
be here when they get out, hang up my wife. And a lot of it comes with, you know, the way I operate and what I, uh, what I do when I show up in the world. So, yeah, we fired this thing up at 7 a.m. today and uh, you had already started your day. So uh, oh, I guess yeah. that's interesting. So the alarm clock went off at what time and what have you already knocked out this morning? Well, alarm clock went off at 545. I have already got through a lot of my social media messages. I've, my emails are down to two and I got a lift and went my son at seven o'clock. And then we're in a podcast now. Hey, and then I got a whole lot more rest of the day. Getting it done. Get the get it done. That's productive. So I guess clients probably hire you sometimes for a problem, but a lot of the time for a vision. I guess what are some of the problems that they might reach out to you for? And I guess what are some of the visions that they reach out to you for for assistance kind of chasing down? Yeah. So a lot of the time it ends up being so when I say level up your life and business, obviously there's a you can picture in your head like what that means to you. And so a lot of the people that I work with, it's pretty much them framing like what it means for me to level up would be to have a healthier body or to have a better marriage or to have my business run smoother, more consistent or to have more automation. Right. I've got clients from Amazon executives, to the company of Amazon to, you know, Susan, who's literally a homemaker in Chicago. You know, it's a little bit of <laughs> across the board, all these areas because she's a network marketer. And what happens is, is they hire me because they have a problem getting past what I call first gear. So like you ever, you ever stick shit before in your life? I'm assuming it was. Oh, yeah. My first car was a stick, man. And if you get in first gear, what ends up happening is like you put this car in gear, you hit the gas, you start pressing. All of a sudden you find that in first gear, you can only go so fast. And if you press that gas again, the car starts shaking, the engine revs up, the gas starts to burn out real quick. And, and this is what happens for a lot of people in life. They're pressing the gas and they're stuck in first gear and they might have got first gear to, you know, could have made them first million dollars, right? But then what happens is we're like, man, how do I get past? I feel like I'm going to burn out or I'm just going to end up like exploding out of frustration. If you think about a car to go fast, you shift second gear, but in shifting the second gear, the engine slows down, the gas consumption slows down. So you don't burn out. You're not freaking out. Like you don't have frustration and you can go longer and you speed up. In fact. So for me, a lot of what I'm doing is having people come in and say, Hey, what are you what are dealing with? And what's what first gear look like for us right in this moment? How do we shift to second, third, fourth gear for your life? You said that a tagline is make success second nature. I guess yeah. in this moment in time, unpack that a little bit. What does that mean? And I guess it probably starts with an identity level conversation. Oh, yeah. right. So how did those conversations start and how do you move past first gear? Well, yeah, so for me, it started as a kid. I think a lot of So identity is the core of what I do. But a lot of people, it's, it's that, that not yet completely mainstream concept. Kind of like how mindset first started out, you know, 12 years ago with uh, Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. And people are like, oh, okay. And then it's now turned into this thing everybody gets. Same kind of with identity. It's uh, it's this thing where for me, I grew up, uh, you know, giving away at three years old in the foster care and then, you know, being bad at football, adopted to an all-white family at 14, college age, you know, athlete with a kid, married, divorced, a whole bunch of crazy business success, business failures. So I've always been navigating my identity. And what I found was at a certain point, I got to that first year and it happened when I was about, I want to say I might've been like 25-ish, 26 years old, man, my life fell apart. I got a divorce, but my wife and I were falling apart. She had an affair, broke my heart, business was falling apart, wasn't the present dad. Dude, my health was out of shape. Like I was, I was owning a gym and it was in the worst shape of my life. It was so weird. And so like I hit my first gear, man, I had to figure out why is it that I, I can't, no matter what I do, get out of this hole, it's frustrating. And for me, it was financial. Some people, it's just, you know, feeling good about themselves. Like, how do I stop feeling like crap? And what it ends up being is, is there's certain people that we know, and you could point to anybody, like, that they have this Midas touch. Like, anything they touch, for some reason, like, it magically comes to be. Like, how is it 
And this guy always gets things done, even if they're given less of the tools or techniques. And what I found through research was like, there's just a certain tick that these guys and girls have of how they think, how they operate. It's just second nature to them. Like the things that overwhelm me that I look at that would move the needle for my life, they, they do like a typical Tuesday. For me, it's like a, a 10 on the pain Richter scale. For them, it's like, oh, that's what I do on Tuesday morning. You know, it's just this different thought. And I was like, well, how, how do they get there? Like, what's the process? And so I started unpacking things. It, it was a collection of a bunch of different aspects. It's their beliefs, their thoughts, their actions, their mindset, their habits, their character and pride about themselves. And where a lot of us are trying to work on one of those that have a whole change, like a shift of life, really the people who are killing it in life, they've got one core area they shifted, which is their identity, the foundation of it all. And when you're able to understand how to, how to close, like pretty much what I call close identity gaps, gap between who I am and who I want to be, you're able to shift that identity. And now what happens is you become that person that, that what used to overwhelm you becomes easy to you. And it's the thing that moves the needle. So now I have pain associated with this task you're supposed to get done, whether it's cold calling people or having staff meetings or reaching out to people to you know, get some help, whatever it is, that thing that scared you and bothered you, now you have pride around it, joy around it in a weird way, and then you just win. And so when I say make success your second nature, it's it's a journey that we go through, a structure that I walk people through over time, that when you're in the back end of it, all of a sudden one day you wake up and go, damn, like this is who I am now. Not that, I'm, not that I'm trying to do that thing and I'm still this old person, but like that's who I am. And it's a different sense of release and relief and just like it's a power. It's a real different, it's a different feel when somebody comes back and I'm like, dude, like not only did I, I get this done and we had the achievement, I transformed like as a human. I'm like this different guy inside. My wife even notices like I don't even know where it took place. Like it, there's no definitive moment. Nobody wakes up like, all right, July 31st, all of a sudden I'm a different guy. Like it just happens over time. It's beautiful. And then at that point, you become that person with the Midas touch. Absolutely. So identity is super complicated, right? There's all sorts of nature, nurture, yeah. external talk, self-talk. So presumably, Anthony, there's different types of identities and probably models that you've built to deconstruct kind of the complexity of identity. So talk to me a little bit about how you think about identity and kind of deconstruct it in ways that might be more accessible for your clients. Yeah. So identity is a, uh, it can be a complicated process, but my big thing is simplifying. If I can simplify it and get you to get it, we can actually make change. And so people typically fall into a quadrant. It's either a slower go identity and it's based in opportunity or opposition. So if you see kind of like a quadrant, if we're looking at this piece of paper on the left-hand side, you see opportunity. And then the top you see slow and the bottom you see go. And then on the top side, you see opposition. On the left side, you see slow. Right side, you see go. What happens is there's or for the most part, types of identities. There's a slow saw, which means when there's an opportunity, I slow down because I'm scared of it. And in opposition, I crumble. Therefore, never progress in a life. I just kind of sit by the wayside and watch everything else pass me by. Then you got people who are slow go, which means that I go slow in opportunity, but I tackle problems. And essentially what it means is like, uh, when there's an opportunity that pops up and rears its head, like I'm scared to take it on because like I've got this identity. I, I love who I am right now. And I'll tackle any problems that come my way to protect this, but I don't want to expose myself to something new because what if I don't do well at it? So people, they just kind of stay very, very stagnant. Then you have people that are go slow, which means I go hard in opportunities. Like people, these are the shiny object people. Something pops up, I'm going to tackle, I'm going to go after that, I'm going to get it, I'm going to be amazing at it. But the moment something negative pops up, they crumble and shut down and they're looking for the next opportunity. 
And then you got the person who's go-go. And the person who's go-go is unique because what happens for them is like they get a lot of freedom to press on and to damn near anything. They go hard in opportunity because there's a thing that pops up and I'm going to tackle it. I may not do well, but that's okay. But I'm going to try because if opposition rears its head, I bring me to that problem. I'm confident and I'll attack it. And so life becomes this different kind of ebb and flow. It's more peace. So for me, that's how we usually start people, getting them to at least see where they're starting so we can progress to the next stage they want to be. So how do you help somebody break that inertia? I think behavior change is one of the more complicated, challenging things in your own life or in any organization. Yeah. How do you go from zero miles per hour to some level of momentum in the right direction? Yeah, I love that word momentum. I just was talking about it in social yesterday. It's a good one. Uh, I have this this old like statue in my office of this guy pushing this wheel, which is it's momentum. You get the thing started. It's hard in the beginning, but once it gets moving, it's smoother and it has picks up pace. But the way that we do this is a process called the self-mastery loop. And there's seven kind of stages to this loop. And this is exactly how people are operating now. And you who's listening, if you listen to this, it'll make so much sense as to how one, how you operate and two, how and why you can adjust this, like why you want to adjust it and how to do it. And so the way it works is at the, at the core, imagine it's a wheel, the very top of this wheel, you have this, this little point, it's called the identity. So your current identity, if I asked, who are you? This is who you tell me you were. Your conscious brain would show me like, oh, I'm a father, business owner, I'm a leader, I'm a brother, I'm a son, whatever it might be. And then you have that, that identity leads to the right to another little bubble, and this ends up being your beliefs. Now everybody based on who they are has a certain set of beliefs about themselves and about the world. Whether it's you know, the rich kid that grew up and his belief is I'm amazing, I'm awesome because I got money. Or the poor kid who says, I suck, I have no money. Right? There's certain beliefs that come with who you see yourself to be. Those beliefs then lead you to thoughts. And the thoughts that you have are consistently running your life. Whether you think you should take action, shouldn't take action. It's the stories we tell ourselves. It's the voice in our head that controls us a lot. And that voice, because of the thoughts we have, it gives us feelings. Like if I feel like you know I'm not very good, I've never succeeded here before. Well, now I get these kind of downtrodden, like halfway, you know, kind of sullen feelings. And the feelings are what lead to our actions in life. Like if I feel bold and amazing, I take big, amazing action. If I don't, I don't. I'll kind of like, you know, pity pat step and kind of go slow. And what happens is these actions are what creates the outcomes in our life. The outcome could be financial. It could be emotional. It could be whatever. But the action creates the outcome, what we have in our life. And the outcome shows us our environment. It shows us by the car you drive, the house you have, how you feel about yourself inside. So if you take a crappy action, you have a crappy outcome, your environment inside is like, I suck. And then that re-ingrains your identity. This is happening all day, every day for everybody. It's not something that's like, you can do this. Like, no, you're doing this. <laughs> right now, if I was to sit down with you and unpack things, I could show you where it shows up. And then your question was, well, how do we, how do we adjust this? How do we get this inertia and get the ball rolling? And you have to step into this wheel somewhere and make an adjustment. And it's hard in a lot of play. It's hard to change beliefs or immediately change your thoughts or immediately change your feelings. Like go tell a woman like, here, change how you feel right now. Go tell a guy that also like, it, it's a very tricky thing. Ask my wife, she's like doing it. <laughs> but it happens is you can actually step in and adjust this in the area between feelings and actions. If you pop in and this, this shows up, if, if you ever take it in your life, like an unconfident action. Like if you ever as a kid jumped off a cliff that you were scared of, like, I don't know, but oh, here I go. And I jump off the cliff or made the call you didn't feel confident about and got the clothes. You're like, holy crap, I just signed this contract. Oh, oh my God. Like, you know, like that feeling of like, is this real right now? 
And that unconfident action leads and spins this wheel uphill. Typically it spins in place, people do the work and they don't get anywhere. But here's how it changes. Well, because I took this bold action, uh, it gave me a different outcome, which gives me a different internal environment of what I might be able to do or who I might be. And it changes the identity a little bit. It kind of loosens the dirt. And then I have a different belief set that kind of creeps in. And then I start thinking differently. And then I feel different when I take a bolder action and the wheel starts spinning. The hard part is stepping in in those moments and taking that unconfident action. And that typically, uh, just real brief, it shows up in us. Uh, there's a great book called The Alter Ego Effect by uh, Todd Herman. I just read it recently. I love his work because um, it, it ties into what I do. He calls it the alter ego. I call it the secret self. It's the person that that shows up. You turn your brain off and you just become that person and show up in that moment the way you need to and just go to work. It's like frustrated football guys. It'd be like being on the field without the coach. I go on the, I go on the field. I play the game. I'm doing my thing. Then I come off the field. And the coach says, hey, this, you should have done this, fix this, change this. Like, But in the game, I'm not thinking. And that's what you do. You send that secret self onto the field. They show up, take that bold action against the feeling of it. And now you get that inertia, you get the momentum going. Anthony, that's such good stuff. There's so many things I want to unpack. So I'm going to try to prioritize the time that we have left today to unpack the good stuff. So you talked about unconfident action and that's a rare thing and it's somewhat counterintuitive mm-hmm. i was reading some ryan holiday stuff and he talked about imposter syndrome and i was like man that guy's written countless new york times yeah. bestsellers and well followed like and he talked about imposter syndrome and when he talked about that and overcoming it hearing somebody who's so like i think wise and insightful and candidly from an outward perspective wildly successful for him to feel like an imposter i thought was liberating it's kind of what gave me the courage to step out with these podcasts to have conversations. Yeah. You're incredibly outside my comfort zone, not confident about it, but I guess talk to me about unconfident action. And I guess you're boldly sharing a message that changes lives. Are there moments yeah. that you battle imposter syndrome? Oh, dude, every day, man. <laughs> it is not, I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. It legitimately is like an everyday, like, Am I the guy to do this? Like, should I? You know, you have your, this, I'm getting me wrong, this great day's majority. But there's those days where I like, you know, really I'm like, dude, that this this thing I wrote, nobody likes it. You know, like I thought it'd be amazing. And I put all this energy and this work into it. And and I think the natural part is you kind of have to have that or else you turn like like a bad version of Kanye West <laughs> where you're like, you're just amazing. <laughs> so for me, it's like uh, my heart is for service. And a guy like him as well, I believe his heart's for service. And so imposter syndrome is one i don't know if it's always about me one it's realizing that the things i do they do affect people's lives and so i never want to go out there and do something to negatively affect it surely because i want to get a viewer follow because none of that matters at the end of the day really but the imposter syndrome it is difficult and a lot of people this is why i talk about the reason why you do this because what happens when you understand why i'm taking this bold action you take it better so a lot of people they talk about the imposter syndrome and they separate it from the action because like well imposter syndrome but i don't I don't really know what to do with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I should take the action. And, and when they don't see this wheel operating, they don't understand why they should. And that's why the imposter falls in. But if they get the realization of you're doing this, here's a great quote that I created. I don't know if I made it, but like it's anchored a lot of my work, but what you create creates you. And what I mean by that is over time, the work that you do creates this different persona inside. Like for you, for example, you started this podcast unconfidently. When you get to that 50, 60, 100, maybe you're there now, it changes at a point. At a certain point, you're like, no, I'm a podcaster. This is this is what I do, right? It's a different flow. And so 
that, that imposter syndrome, if you understand how this wheel operates, the more you do something, the more you become that person, you understand how to pursue this feeling or pursue that direction, even with that feeling, because you're not thinking about the feeling, you're thinking about over time when it will change because I'm putting the work in and I understand what that work will turn into, not only just from a tangible, but an intangible internal place. I heard you mention something along the lines of potential. You were riffing on potential and how it might not be a compliment. It starts to become an insult. Anthony Trucks has potential. And so I guess as we think about the self-mastery wheel and the man that you are today, but more importantly, the vision that you have for the future, I guess, what are some of the things that you're personally working on within your business? I mean, 10 years from now, when we check back in, kind of where's Anthony Trucks professionally at that moment? Yeah. I mean, 10 years, that's a good chunk of time. And I I honestly never thought I'd be doing this 10 years ago. (laughs) I I don't even know what it looks like to be totally honest. And it potentially is that weird thing because I don't don't think anybody knows what it is. I think there's that level of, I think I know what it is. And you reach the level of what you thought your 10 was. You're like, oh, it's a two. And I have so much more. But 10 years from now, man, the things I'm working on currently, uh, I'm working on understanding how to write copy. And not from a standpoint of like sales copy, but like, how do I write words where people, when they read them, they get what I'm trying to say and I can compel them to take an action and change their life, whether it's in a speech or a a social media caption or in the books I write. And that's one of the things that for me has always been difficult for a lot of people. It's difficult. I got this thought and this passion. I really want to do something for you, but you don't get it. It gets frustrating. And it's not that, that you don't get it. There's something wrong with the person. There's something wrong with the person sharing it. They haven't understood how to understand people and how to relay messages. So that's one part. Also balance. How do I, and I don't even think balance exists, but it's what I say because people understand their own head get balance. But how do I make sure I show up as father, as husband and business owner at the tippy tip top of my potential and my operational level? I mean, that's why like it's 8 a.m. and I'm operating. Like I want all things to be great. Yeah. So let's dig into that. I guess you're perpetually experimenting and it's got to be iterative, yeah. but I guess in this present moment, I've stopped using the word balance or try to stop using it because it doesn't seem to fit. It's more priority management, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out what to say yes to clearly so that you have the permission to say no to other things. How are you managing that today as your business is rapidly expanding? Yeah, which is, is right. Rapidly expanding is difficult. So I created this thing called a GPS planner, which really I used back in 2011. And it, the biggest thing for me, I think the football was a big piece of it. But there's a lot of things that are on my head and heart that I need to get done. I just have all these things I want to do. And what I realized was a lot of people are the same way, but because they've never structured or broken things up or, uh, you know, created a segmentation of when to get it done, what happens is like, I'll be working on business stuff. And then while working on business stuff, like I'm thinking about, you know, family stuff or when family stuff, thinking about business stuff that I've never even put my family present. Right. So a lot of these, these weird aspects that are going over the place. And so what I did is said, man, I got to get some of this off my head. It's where I can live my life, make great progress, but not be stressing all the time. And so what I do is I, I take all my, my things around my heart and I put them on a sheet of paper. And then I, I literally take them and I say, what order must these be done? And then I deconstruct them into areas of like, how many hours will this take? Based on the hours of what it's going to take, I need to take a, a deeper look at where do I infuse these hours into my life? And so what ends up happening is that I just open my day up and I say, here's my structure of what my life looks like. And I start plugging in first my life. So date days with my wife and bad days with my kids or, um, you know, doing something along the lines of, you know, getting my workouts, my food. And after I've got life lived the way I want, then I start plugging in the things that are my projects to do that I deconstructed the hours for. 
And what this does for me is it gives me so much peace of mind because I now know when everything's going to be done. It's not weighing on my heart so I can be with my family and not be in my head at work. I can take a break from work and just watch TV shows and never stress because I know that what I'm supposed to get done is set to get done at a certain time. And so it allows me to go at whatever tick I want. And if something doesn't get fit in there, I literally take it off and I move it farther down the line. As I've studied behavioral finance to be a better coach, better advisor to our clients who are seeking clarity and confidence around financial decisions, one of the things that I've studied is behavioral finance and a phrase that I spent some time studying is this concept of cognitive dissonance. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the listeners at home, cognitive dissonance is kind of our desire for alignment, like a mental model. And so when we encounter an idea or truth or fact, presumably, that doesn't align with our held belief, we immediately dismiss it. So Mm -hmm. for me, the symptom that I'll often hear, or for me, a cue that we might be experiencing cognitive dissonance is, yeah, but. People at home listening to you talk, and though it's true what you're saying, kind of trust your hustle. The harder you work, the luckier you get in this ownership voice of empowerment. There's going to be people that respond to that message, yeah, but. And that's where I think it's your story is so amazing. You just blew through it in about 20 seconds, but like, can you walk us through for a few minutes, just kind of the journey that led you to this moment? Because you hit an inflection point and, and since that moment of maybe rock bottom six, seven years ago, you've accomplished incredible things. And so the truths that you learned were from the furnace. They were from the world pruning you. And so I guess your lived experiences are an outlier for me. The things that you've experienced firsthand are so different. So clearly they have to be different for others. So the yeah, but it feels like if you've gotten to this place of insight and empowerment, I think your story is relevant and empowering of that message. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why I do what I do. It's not this accidental thing that I happen across. Like that'd be cool to talk about with people. I live it. I mean, there is the 100%. There's always that part of us that says the yeah, but. And is it separation between like, that's who I am or not who I am. So what you're essentially saying is that's that's not my identity right now. And some people will, will accept that as truth. And it is, for the moment, it is a truth. But it doesn't mean it has to be, right? That's the thing. And and when people do that, yeah, but, and they start, they start making an excuse, what they're doing is protecting their pain, which is weird. Like, I'm going to protect this thing that I'm telling you I, I don't want in my life by making an excuse that this is not who I am. Well, of course it's not who you are, or you already have that thing, right? It's We're here because that's not who you are. So why are you fighting this? And it's an inherent natural thing for us to do. That's the same thing I did. Whenever I was uh, like a, a young kid, I mean, I, I say young, it was <laughs> like 25. It wasn't that long ago. But I came home from this, this high NFL college, you know, like I'm, you know, got my wife and I got a couple of kids, but now I'm in this position of I've now lost my football career. I lost my career in 08 to a shoulder injury. So now I come home, I've lost a part of my identity, which is the football thing. So I don't even know who I am without this. I then open this gym and I want to build this gym and create the same anchor point of how amazing I am in the gym. In doing so, I neglect my wife. I neglect my kids. I have three at the time. The business is tanking. I'm out of shape. Uh, I literally, quite literally lose everything that makes me me. My wife has an affair, uh, breaks my heart. The gym sucks. Like I, I don't even know why I'm here. I drive off one night and I tell my friends and family, please tell my kids who their father was. Like it was the bottoms, man. It's like that rock bottom for me. 
And it was like a wave of emotion that eventually, you know, kind of bypassed. It was a buddy of mine had said something that anchored this all down. It just it hit me like a ton of bricks. And when I came out of it, man, it was like this fog of like, this is, this is not the life I want to live. Unfortunately for me, like it happened in that, that crazy, everything fell apart. But for a lot of people, you don't have to have that singular moment that you look back and say, that's why I changed. Sometimes that reason is you wake up one day and go, I don't like this. This sucks. I am not happy. It's time to change something. And then the moment that you make that choice or decision that you're going to change something, now there's no more yeah buts. There should not be any. Because the moment that that pops out of your mouth, you're, you're, you're pushing yourself to stay stuck back in that place you don't want to be. So when I start looking at the work I do, I do get a lot of that. There's always kickback. People come in to work with me knowing I'm going to do that, and then they still do it. <laughs> I got I to gotta nudge them out of that little hole, right? Because it, it's very difficult when that's all you know yourself to be for the longest time. But when I show them the path of what it is, it's kind of like, look at the cookie over here. Like, it's okay. You're not going to die. Life will be okay. Because for me, a lot of the times I could say, you know, I was this you know, business owner that, you know, and because out of that hole, I was able to build uh, a, a gym business that was a 9,000 square foot facility, 20 employees, you know, making 60,000 a month. Like we were killing it. Um, I progressed on to get, you know, quarter million dollar contracts with corporations uh, I now am a speaker internationally. I speak in front of two to 3,000 people a pop. I, I make 25,000 a keynote. I coach clients 35,000 for the year. Um, I have masterminds and coaching programs. I do social media stuff. Like I, I do a lot, write books. And it's a lot of things I do. And I promise every single thing that I start, the initial thought in my head that I can quickly fight that it's what I do, it's, but are you the guy supposed to do that? Like, yeah, but you don't have any expertise there. Yeah, but you're not a copywriter. Yeah, but you're not the guy that does, you know, videos that, that you know, are, are epic. Like, no, it wasn't. But I started at some point realizing like, okay, if I lean into this and I do it over time, eventually, because the time's going to pass anyways, eventually I'm that guy. And so now when I look at the problems, I don't look at the problem and think, that's not who I am. I look at the problem and say, what bold action do I got to take with my secret self to eventually get to the point where that's who I am? And I figure out what it is and I shut off all the little sensors and the feelers and I just go to work, man. And that's literally how I live my life at this point. I've often tried to reposition failure as success, sometimes more successfully than others. But you have this inflection point. You were a husband, a father and a business owner. And then you had this experience and then you continued to be a husband, a father and a business owner. And that experience obviously changed your perspective in how you approach the priorities of your life. So when I have a mistake, I sometimes chalk that up to tuition that I'm paying. And so anytime I can redeem that tuition and share it with somebody else, I view yeah. that as like giving them a scholarship. Uh, I yeah, I guess as you think through that season of an immense pain and candidly, pain can be a great teacher. How are you different? I mean, I guess the husband, father, and business owner that you were before that inflection point versus the husband, father, and business owner that you are today. Like, how is that version of Anthony Trucks different? The night and day, man. Because that, that guy back then was a guy that had a massive ego. And I call ego everyone's greatest obstacle. It's usually the thing that gets in our way. However, the ego is an amazing tool if we use it right. Back then, my ego was wrapped around Anthony has to be amazing. Everybody has to, you know, support this guy. He doesn't have any problems. He doesn't need help. That was my ego back then. And over time, like I, I ended up getting divorced my wife for three years and then worked on myself. She worked on herself. We're now remarried, you know, almost four years deep. 
life's amazing. I'm a present father. I'm with my kids every day, all day, almost too much. Uh, and, and they take priority, but I still get a ton of work done because I'm better with my time. Even as a business owner, I take the actions that most people don't take. And I take them consistently with joy where most people are like, man, I already did that yesterday. Well, yeah, you got to do it all week, all week, every day, all week to that thing. Like it's, but it's just so difficult. Yeah. And your dream desires that demands that of you. If you don't want to do it, then give up the dream. So there's a way that I look at it different and essentially what it was. And this is something everybody can grasp. Like you said, failure, it's a massive piece. And people look at failure. There's actually a, a scale of six levels. The top level you have what's called abject, which is the end of the world. Nothing can come back and you know be better. Then you have structural, which structural means it's very, very difficult. There's a piece that broke. It's so hard to fix, but it can be fixed. Gloria says, you know what? It's going down. You smoke a cigarette, watch it burn. Then you have below that, a level that's it's called uh, pretty much common failure. Like it's why the apology was created. Something went wrong, my bad. Then you have the good ones. These are the ones that are very special if you could put them in the right place called version failure. So version is like this version wasn't the best. Let me make a better version off of the information from the previous version. So it's like iPhone one. Okay, we learned I need this, this, and this. Okay, iPhone two. Now we're iPhone 11. There'll be iPhone 77, right? Then you have below that what's called predictable. We live this in sports. We go to sports every day expecting to get yelled at. I know it's going to be something I do wrong. I'm looking forward to learning. What happens in life for a lot of us is we go into situations, and this happens anywhere that we have a small failure, big failure, whatever it is, and something that could be like a version failure. We, for some reason, shoot it all the way up to abject. It's the end of the world. I, I, my girlfriend broke up with me. I'm never going to be in a relationship again. Forget all women. Like, seriously, man, that's not realistic. <laughs> like, what this version broke. Now, if you put it in abject, you stop looking at it with an eye set to learn. Like if I think it's nothing's fixable, I feel helpless. I never look at that as a reason as to why I can learn from it. However, if I see this version, now I can say, okay, great. What did I learn from this version of myself? So that's what I did when I, when I opened my brain back up after years of doing, you know, dumb stuff, bouncing around, trying to figure the business out, figure Anthony out that then fixed my marriage, fixed my, my parenting, fixed my business was I stepped back and said, man, that, that wasn't the end of the world. Like, you know, cause at one point I was like, I'm never going to be good business. I'm a horrible father. I'm, you know, bad husband. I'm yada, yada, yada. The, the, the thoughts I had in my head sucked. My, my loop was just in the wrong direction. And when I went in and said, wait, wait, okay. That version of Anthony was never at home with his kids, his wife, you know, she made a crappy choice, but she didn't get to the place of having to make a choice by herself. That version had to be adjusted. What, what version of Anthony needs to come out of that one? Business owner, like what was predictable failure? Because the market always changes and things go wrong. What, what did I see? Like, why am I looking at business as this? It has to always be a, a win. No, no, no. Predict that something's going to go wrong, then game plan for it, project out of it, right? There's all these different ways I can look at things. And so for me now, when I look at my life, I've learned from that past Anthony that helped me create the current Anthony. And I'm still doing the same thing every day. Things go wrong all the time, but they're not the end of the world. And because I look at them that way, I learn from them. That's where I get a, like the tuition and I can scholarship it out. Absolutely. You know, so that message is so wildly empowering and clarifying. I think it is easy to escalate something to more than what it is, I guess, to unpack that and make it even more accessible for the audience here. Clearly, if you're taking unconfident action and you're kind of launching and iterating, frequently in your kind of entrepreneurial approach to solving problems, you're encountering version failure. Are there any more recent examples just to kind of land the plane within your business that version failure has showed up and you've taken that information oh, yeah. and been able to iterate? 
Yeah, 100%. So I have in my realm of work, I don't know how you guys operate, but I have funnels. A funnel is a landing page that takes you to one stage that allows someone to take an action to be able to get into the ecosystem of my business, to get information, to eventually get in a phone call with my team. And then my team can share with them what they think is a good fit for them. Now, I have a funnel team that runs the majority of that. I deal with more of the creation of the content. They take care of like the technology, the numbers. So we started with them five months ago. And in five months ago, we were rolling. And at this point, this is real, real time. At this point, I am now generating more leads on my own than the funnel team I'm paying monthly to do it. And this is just me passively doing it because they aren't doing their job. So for me, I can get back and say, you know what? This whole you know funnel company thing, ridiculous. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm just gonna sit back and make this, you know, these these videos and do what I do to get leads and talk to people and, and throw the clientele base. I'm gonna do that. I'm never gonna hire a funnel company because they all suck. Well, the reality is like this version of whatever I was putting out with them, and they need to realize the same thing. Whatever version of this funnel they put out, like it doesn't work. Now they can also say, and I could say, oh, you guys suck at this, never you'll close your business, or they can say, all right. This version of the funnel for Anthony, this version of the business and how we operate, what we're creating, it's not working. What do we need to learn from this to then be able to create something better? And so real time in my life, like I'm sitting here trying to say, do I fire this company and start from scratch with a new company? Or do I say, hey, what version of what you guys are doing sucks? What can we learn to be able to make it better? This is real time. And I'm, this is money. This is money going out every month <laughs> that's not returning. You know, it's like, not a fun thing to do when you get five months deep with that and you're, you know, you know, in the, the high five figures, it's not a realistically nice thing to be experiencing. And so for me, it's like, I'm not going to shut down because here's the other part. If I do take it on to myself, I can't reach more people's lives because then that's more of Anthony taken away from, you know, going into the world. So I have to be able to allow them to operate and do their version or get a new company to the version of what they're doing. Because if not, then then I just take over and I control it and then the business can't grow and scale because I can't give that much more time and I ruin everything else around me, my wife, my kids, relationships, right? It's just not, it's not worth it. So like, that's the real life of me right now in the business. Thank you for sharing that. That really lands the plan. I, well, eager to figure out or hear how you figure that one out. <laughs> me so too. I, yeah, this conversation this morning truly has been a blessing. It's exceeded my expectation. I mean, I feel like I've just been sitting back experiencing it the way I hope that our audience is right now. So if I'm looking to get more of what you're talking about, where do I go to get more Anthony Trucks in this message of the ideal identity and just positive behavior change? Yeah, man. So you can get it. Uh, if you go to at Anthony Trucks on Instagram, you'll find me there or, or anthonytrucks.com. It's pretty straightforward. That's the advantage of having a great name. That's a strong it name, works. strong brand. There you go. I like it. I, I still get calls from people think it's weird. People think I train truck drivers like, no, man, it's because there's a company called Anthony Trucks. Like it's the truck brand, Anthony. It's weird. So I guess sometimes people get a misconstrued. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I didn't uh, know. <laughs> Anthony Trucks, thank you so much for our time today and good luck with the rest of your day. Thank you, man. You too. Awesome.